Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In podcast. My name is Greg Anderson, and I'm just driving home right now to stop for some gasoline, and I'll be home in about 15 minutes, and I wondered if you might join me for my ride home, and I'll talk to you a little bit about the filmmaking process. I think I'll skip, uh, wait till next week to get back into talking specifically about a specific episode of uh, The Promised Land Show, but for right now, I'd like to talk a little bit about just kind of how movies are made. And let's talk about um, some of the stuff you'll you'll run into maybe the first time you work on a set that you might not be familiar with, but it's not that difficult to understand. So I'll, I'll tell you about it right now, and then you won't be surprised when you show up on your first movie job. Uh, I want to talk about page count, first of all. Now, when they decide to uh, film for the day, First of all, they're going to break down the script, the full script of the episode or the movie or whatever, and break it down into what they want to do on each specific day of filming. And then for each of those days of filming, they will prepare a little booklet, uh, a reduced size copy of the script pages that are going to be filmed that day. So they call this the sides. And the sides are, again, this little booklet. It's maybe a half of a sheet of paper. And then the script is on there in a reduced size. And the first page of the sides will also be the day's call sheet. And the call sheet, there's a call sheet for each day of filming, which lists the scenes that are going to be filmed that day, uh, which actors are going to be involved in the scenes, um, what time those actors need to report to work, what time other members of the crew need to report to work. Um, and let's see, what else? Uh, maybe a little bit of a weather forecast on there. Uh, if there are any uh, special concerns for safety or stunts or things, or maybe the crew members need to be aware that there's going to be uh, you know, fire in the scene today, so everybody be, be prepared for that and uh, have a little safety meeting about that. These are the sorts of things that are usually listed on the call sheet. And the call sheet uh, for each scene that's listed will also list the number of pages uh, in the script for that particular scene. So you could say maybe a scene is one page long, or a scene is one and seven-eighths pages long, or whatever it is. And then the total number of pages you'll be filming that day based on the individual page counts of every scene. Now, for reasons that, I don't know, it's just kind of a movie-making tradition as far as I know, but... uh, It is established that page counts are done in eighths of a page. So if a scene is one and two-eighths pages long, that's what it's going to say in the call sheet, the scene one and two-eighths pages. And you might be, you know, especially if you're good at math, this is going to drive you nuts. say It's one and a quarter. Why don't you simplify the fraction? Well, they don't. They always do it in eighths of a page. So a scene could be one and four-eighths of a page long. And you'll say... Come on, it's one and a half pages. Well, no, 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 it's one and four-eighths. Just go with the program, okay? Because this is the way they do it in Hollywood. Now, is it super scientific? Uh, no, no, but it just gives you a good idea of what you're up against for the day. So on a show like Promised Land, uh, we may have filmed, say, seven pages a day. Now, seven times eight, you're doing the math, and you're saying, well, that's uh, 56 you had scripts that were 56 pages long? Well, sometimes, yeah. Well, I thought that every page of the script was supposed to correspond to one minute of the finished show. 
generally that's true. That's true. Uh, so then you're asking, well, why did they film a 55-minute script for a show, The Promised Land, that's going to have commercials and stuff in it? That's uh, and if you've noticed this, if you've you know recorded TV shows and and cut out the commercials, you've noticed that your average one-hour TV show is really closer to about 45 minutes long. And you may have noticed this if you ever bought uh, uh, DVDs, for example, of your favorite te- television show that was released on DVD. And you say, well, you know, so why are you filming these scenes, uh, these scripts that are that are too long to fit in a one-hour time slot with commercials? I say, ah, well, that's a good question, but we did it all the time. Typically, when we filmed on Promised Land, you know, we'd, we'd film more than what was actually going to appear in the in the finished episode and uh and so scenes whole scenes were sometimes cut from the finished episode um and you know i don't know why that happened um i don't know why they just always seemed to film more than we needed i guess it's always better of course to have more than what you need and to cut things out than to go through the whole editing process and realize that you don't have enough (laughs) material so anyway, we were we were um, typically shooting about seven pages of the script uh, per day, uh, eight days of production for a single episode of Promised Land. So that's just the way that went. Now, um, Gerald McCraney used to like to uh, used to like to joke around a little bit about the the you know when I say that the, the page count thing is not particularly scientific. <laughs> Typically, you know, if we had something we were filming that was only an eighth of a page, it was like we have a still picture of the house. It just has an establishing shot before the scene that takes place inside the house. So we put a camera out on the street, looking across the street at the house. Maybe a car drives by. The whole shot lasts about five seconds on screen. And we say that's an eighth of a page uh, in the script uh, for that scene. Well, Gerald McCraney liked to uh, joke around that in the script for Gone with the Wind, there's a, a scene that's an eighth of a page long that says Atlanta burns. And you can bet that probably didn't take them uh, only ten minutes to film that scene. So whenever somebody said, well, you know, we're doing this scene and it, it, it's, it's real quick, it's only three-eighths of a page, <laughs> that's when Gerald McCraney would say, yeah, but in Gone with the Wind, it was only an eighth of a page to say Atlanta burns. Just being a smart aleck. All right, so you're filming your uh, your script here, and you've broken down the script, and everything's going well there. And you know, why am I telling you about this? Well, I'm telling you about this because I assume that you're interested in the filmmaking process, and that you haven't spent too much time on movie sets. Um, and if if you'd like to, I'm just giving you some some pointers so you'll understand what's going on when you get there. So, uh, but also, if you happen to be sort of an amateur or semi-professional filmmaker yourself, I think you could learn a lot from working the way that they work on these professional Hollywood-type shows. Uh, You'll find that the work habits that they employ on these shows are tried and true, tested, you know, they work. They are the most efficient way to go. And if you're working with anyone who's uh, the least bit professional that's worked on movie sets before, um, the day is just going to be a lot more efficient if you all have the same kind of working habits, if you all have the same way of sort of interacting with each other based upon 
uh, things that just work in the professional filmmaking world. So if you've got a script that you're doing with your friends or maybe a student film or maybe just a company video that maybe you've hired a couple of uh, you know, professional cameraman to help you out or, or um, professional actors to be in your company video, you will just it'll make a world of difference and you'll just be much more professional if you have a script that you've broken down by uh, by scene and each scene is listed by the length of the scene it's you know it's two and three eighths pages and you've got those sorts of things on your call sheets and you've got your little half sheet of paper with the sides printed on there with the script pages it's all going to be very professional for you and I, i'm telling you it's just going to help you out a lot so um all right now then I'll talk about, uh, on the Promised Land show, we shot um, film style. Of course, we were using film, but when I say we were shooting film style, I mean that generally we were shooting with one camera at a time. Now, occasionally we would uh, have a B camera crew, and so we'd have an A camera and a B camera. We'd shoot two cameras at once. But usually not. Usually it was one camera at a time. And you might be asking yourself, well, why not shoot two cameras at a time? Wouldn't that be more efficient? Wouldn't you get twice as much work done and have, uh, you know, you could go home early or, or shoot twice as many episodes if you just use two cameras? Well, you would think so, but actually it doesn't quite work out that way. And the easiest way to explain why that's maybe not always the most efficient way to go it's just to think of it in terms of lighting. Uh, the, one of the big, big deals is, is always lighting. And you may hear this if, you, if you've taken some photography classes or if you've heard photographers talking about their work. They'll say, well, the number one thing is lighting. And I know that it's hard sometimes to understand what they mean by that, but I'm telling you it's true. The number one thing really is uh, the way a scene is lit. Well, yeah, of course, the, the acting is important, the sound is important. But um, as far as, you know, these are movies, these are photographic experiences, and so lighting is the key to making it interesting visually. And it is actually very difficult to do lighting on a person uh, and have the lighting look good from two camera angles at once. Or if you've got you know, two actors together in a scene and um, you got you have to now do lighting that's going to affect both both of these actors at the same time. It is often very difficult, just with the subtleties and the nuances of it all, to make the lighting work well for two camera angles at once. So you actually you can do it, but you'd spend more time lighting in the long run than just setting up for one camera angle at a time. Now, that may not make a lot of sense to you now as I'm explaining it, but in practical situations, I've seen it where it really is um, a lot of times more practical to uh, shoot one camera at a time and, and do the lighting one setup at a time. So, I don't know. Uh, also, there's another concern, of course, if you've got two cameras, well, uh, you're spending twice as much money on gear. Most movie companies, they, uh, they don't own their own cameras. Um, you know, cameras are expensive to own, expensive to maintain. There's uh, constant maintenance. There's always um, upgrades to equipment. There's different lenses and stuff that you want to have for different purposes. And rather than owning all of that stuff, 
uh, and then trying to remain busy all the time because you don't want to own a big expensive camera and only use it for a couple months a year, right? Uh, or maybe six months out of a year, you know, every other month you're using it. You don't want to do that. So it's actually more cost effective and makes more sense for the movie companies to just rent camera gear and there are of course Hollywood rental companies that specialize in this and you, you know you just you just call in an order and say I want this kind of camera these kinds of lenses and all the associated gear that goes with it and you you give them your order and they put it together and they ship it out to you and that's uh, that's a much better way to go and when you're done with the project you send the gear back and they do all the maintenance and cleaning and making sure that you know everything is still top notch on those cameras so they're ready to rent out to someone else and so that is actually a, a good way to go and if you're shooting with two cameras then well you have to rent two camera packages not just the camera itself but all the other gear that goes with the camera all the uh all the lenses and filters and matte boxes and uh, all the tools that go with them and you know you need uh, an extra set of uh you know the, the tripod or the the camera head or or, or a dolly or all these things that go with it and and in addition to the gear now you have to have another camera operator another camera assistant another camera loader um, all these other people associated with working uh, two camera crews at once so there are a lot of reasons why it can be more efficient to just do one camera at a time and we usually did one camera at a time on the promised land show I would say maybe I don't know out of a whole episode we might have three days um, maybe four days, I don't know, with a full complement of a B-camera crew. It just kind of depended. Um, we didn't mind having the B-camera crew there. And, and sometimes the B-camera crew was good because maybe you had a B-unit or a second unit going out there doing uh, photography while the main unit was working on something. And, um, so, it, you know, a lot of, lot of considerations there. All right, so, okay, let's just say you're filming, uh, you know, film style. And I say film style as opposed to, like, uh, sitcom style. So if you're doing a sitcom or a television show in a studio, a lot of times they'll shoot with three or four cameras all at once. And so if you notice on sitcoms, the lighting is always kind of very stagey. Um, like, you know, like it is some sort of stage production, and uh, they just kind of blasted the whole set with very even lighting. And it's not very interesting. It doesn't look very realistic. But for the sake of a sitcom, it's, it's what we've come to expect visually. And, and so they light things that way so that, you know, everything sort of looks evenly lit everywhere on the stage. And then they can have three or four cameras rolling at once to shoot the sitcom. So that's a whole different style of filming. And it usually happens just in a studio, in a studio environment where they've got a control room and the director sits off in the control room and, and they've got a studio audience and all that sort of stuff. As opposed to film style where you're out on location, one camera at a time, very portable gear, a lot of stuff that runs off batteries and you're out, you know, uh, very, very uh, versatile as far as uh, your options on, you know, how, where you can film and you can squeeze a camera into a small space and film inside a small room and, you know, all these things happening when you're doing film style so all right so you're 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 shooting film style and let's see um you're going to do a scene let's say you're going to do scene seven and scene seven has three people in it 
And so uh, the first shot of scene seven you're going to do is probably what they call a master shot. And the master shot is kind of a wide-angle shot. The camera's far enough back. The, uh, it's a wide enough angle lens that you can probably see all three of your cast members at once in the scene. So you do your master shot, and they all uh, are acting out the scene. Okay. Then once you're done with that, you've got, you know, you've, you've shot maybe three or four takes, and you've got one that you really like, and say, okay, let's move on. And it's scene 7A now for the second camera angle in scene 7. And the script supervisor usually calls it out uh, before you start filming. Say, this is 7 Apple, and they say Apple instead of the letter A, because, as you know, letters of the alphabet tend to rhyme, and uh, if you can't hear somebody very well, like over the phone, or if they're shouting across... uh, you know, when you're at a, in your studio or whatever, um, if somebody says uh, 7B or 7D or 7G, you know, it, it might be difficult to to hear the difference when they when they st- talk that way. I've, I've arrived at my destination, but I'll keep talking to you. <laughs> and so uh, that's why they they instead of calling out the letters, they'll say Apple or Baker or Charlie or Denver, Edward. So when they say 7 Frank is up, that means the next shot is 7 F. Or, you know, in the sequence of we started with 7, then A, B, C, D, E, F. So this is the seventh setup of of scene 7. And so you might hear that if you're ever visiting a movie uh, set environment. Someone will say, you know, you'll, you'll hear someone say, you know, Edward's up. What do they mean by that? Well, they mean that the next... Uh, shot they do will be from scene seven edward you know which would be the fifth uh setup and that's right a b c d e no sixth setup <laughs> uh for your seventh scene so uh you'll hear this on, on movie sets and uh and so you say well what if what if it's a really complicated scene and you run out of letters of the alphabet Does, has that ever happened well yes it has <laughs> And when that happens, you know, you get to uh, scene seven, Zebra. And I don't know why you needed 27 different setups just to get this one scene. But if it happens, uh, then, they'll, then they'll start over. And they'll usually uh, call it like seven double apple. And um, so on the slate that they actually hold up in front of the camera before they start uh, uh, acting in the scene... You've seen this when you've seen stuff behind the scenes on how they make movies. They hold that slate up in front of the camera, and and somebody says, uh, scene seven, Apple, take one, and then they clap it down, you know, and it makes that sound. And um, and so that, that's what they do. So the script supervisor is keeping track of what scene is which. Which scene is which? <laughs> Sorry about my grammar. Um, and so then, uh, then the same... Uh, the same system is being used on the on-camera slate so the person that's watching the raw footage gets to see the same thing this is uh you know scene seven edward or whatever it is and uh and then the sound guy also will have that recorded onto the soundtrack so that these things can stay well organized when you get into the editing editing process and you have to put it all together and decide well you know what what which take are we going to use and uh, which camera angles are we going to use when we when we do the editing? So it's all very well organized, and I'm just telling you that if if you plan to do any kind of filmmaking, 
So I'm just gathering my stuff up, ready to go inside. <laughs> if you plan to do any filmmaking, even if, if it is kind of amateur stuff or student films, or so, it's still very good practice to do it the way these Hollywood guys do it. Keep it well organized, because if you don't do it with these kinds of things in mind, you're going to learn very quickly once you get into the editing phase uh, where the where your weaknesses are and, and why it would have been a better idea to, to uh, follow the habits of the professionals a little bit better. Um, also, okay, another thing you'll hear on movie sets is uh, when they do a scene, let's say they've done... You know, scene seven, Baker. So the third setup of scene seven. And this one is a close-up on an actor. And then as soon as they're done with this one, they're going to move the lights and cameras around and do a close-up on the other actor in the scene. Okay, and when uh, when the director is satisfied, let's say they've done three or four takes, and uh, he's satisfied with with what they filmed and he's ready to move on to the next one, he'll say... Uh, cut, and then say print. So he's referring to uh, let's print, let's print that particular take. So it could be let's say you've done scene seven Baker, and there's been four takes, and the director has decided he only really liked number two and number four. So he will call that out. So the script supervisor can make a note, and the camera guys can make a note. And when the film gets back in the lab, uh, the lab guys know okay that. When we, when we get this original negative, we're only going to print something the director can watch from take two and take four. So this is all very uh, very well-organized well stuff. But if you were on a movie set and you heard a director say, cut, print, that's what he's referring to. And sometimes the director will also add this phrase. You'll hear him say, cut, print, and then he'll say, check the gate. And when he says, check the gate... That is a reference to the actual spot inside the camera where the film is exposed. It's a little square frame in there, and it's called the film gate. And the reason you want to check the gate after you have a good take is to make sure that there are no foreign objects in the gate. Maybe a piece of lint, a piece of dust, a hair that came off of uh, the camera loader's hand. These things can get stuck in the gate, and then you'll have this, it'll actually show up on the film. And you've probably seen this um, if you've watched old movies, maybe if you ever watched movies on 16 millimeter in a classroom environment. Every now and then uh, there'd be a little piece of lint or dust or hair or something that gets stuck in the, in the gate of the projector. And you see in the corner of the screen, you see this little hair kind of dancing around in the corner and flickering. And that's exactly the problem you could have if you had hair in the gate in the camera. And if you had it stuck in the camera, well, that could scratch the film, and the film would be scratched before you've even had a chance to watch it once. And, and any copies that you make after that would be scratched. So you want to check the gate and make sure you haven't scratched your original negative already, or that you don't have this little dancing hair that's going to be per- a permanent fixture on the film itself when you make copies and and try and set it out. So these are some of the things that you'll hear them say. Cut, print, check the gate. All right. And with that, I guess it's a wrap. That's another thing they they say. They actually do say it's a wrap when when you finish the day's work. Uh, If you're lucky, you know, maybe 
you don't have to stay the whole day. Like, uh, let's say I was in a, I was standing in for Gerald McCraney and he was not in the last scene of the day. So they might say, okay, we've got one more scene to go, but that's a wrap on Gerald McCraney and that's a wrap on his stand in Greg. So, oh, okay. So I got to go home early. That's so a wrap. Now, one thing they do, uh, uh, as they're going through the last scene of the day that they're working on, um, they'll get to that last setup, the last camera angle. You know, if they've done the master shot, they've done the, the medium close-up, they've done the close-up, then they've turned around and done the medium shot on the other actor and the close-up on the other actor, and then they'll say, okay, this is our last setup for the day, and as soon as we get a good take on this setup, we're done. It's a wrap. So they'll say, they'll announce before that last setup, they'll say, okay, this is the martini. So that's something you'll hear on a movie set. This is the martini referring to, this is the last camera setup of the day. And as soon as we've got a good take on this one, clean up your gear, do whatever you need to do and and go home and we'll see you tomorrow and pass out the call sheets for tomorrow's day. Now there was a, uh, a uh, an assistant director in Hollywood it must have been a very colorful character that everyone seems to know about a guy named Abby Singer. And I guess Abby Singer was uh, just well known for always calling out, Hey, this is the last shot of the day. And then they do that camera setup. And he said, Oh no, wait a minute. He'd go consult with the director and say, Oh no, no, there's one more. I'm sorry. There is one more. So in honor of this actual guy named Abby Singer, it is a tradition on movie sets these days that they will refer to the second-to-last setup of the day as the Abbey. <laughs> so you'll hear that. You know, of course, uh, when, you're, when you're going through the day's work and you know this is the last scene of the day, but you're not exactly sure how many different camera angles the director's going to want for this, when you hear someone call out, this is the Abbey, then you can start to say, okay, let me just look around and see if I've got some gear here that maybe some of my guys can start gathering up right now because we're not going to need it so let's let's wrap up these cables let's put that light away let's this and then they say this is the martini okay and then when they say you know cut print check the gate that's a wrap then everyone gets to go home so So with that that's a wrap i'll see you next time on the memoirs of a movie stand-in podcast now if you want to send me any email the email address is moviestandin at gmail.com and the official show notes for this stand-in are at utahstandin.blogspot.com. Go there and just subscribe in iTunes. Then you won't have to worry about where any of this stuff is. It'll automatically come to your computer every Thursday night at 8, 7 central, right here on the Memoirs of a Movie Stand-In Podcast.